Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. Matt Smith is here. Matt, thanks for taking time out of your morning. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks, Dave. It's great to join. So I'm going to ask you to tell these folks who you are in a minute, just in case they're not familiar with you. But I want to kind of tease the subject and talk about the outcomes we're looking for because we're very outcome focused. So what is the outcome that we're looking for for this podcast? I think the outcome that we're seeking, at least to get across from my perspective, is we want to discuss uh, the investment in portfolio tiers from an agile delivery perspective. Okay. And I want to make sure my outcome, in addition to that, is also to make sure people know what those things are, which we'll explain in just a minute. We're going to talk about strategy. We're going to aim this mostly at leadership. So if you are in a leadership role or you work with a leader who you think you kind of want to knock upside the head and get them to pay attention to certain stuff. There might be a lot of valuable information in here for you. Um, Matt, what do you, can you explain to the folks that are listening kind of the role that you play at Leading Agile? So in my role at Leading Agile, I'm a managing consultant, and um, I work with uh, some pretty large clients. And one of, my, one of my big responsibilities here and the thing that I find the most enjoyment in doing is time strategy to execution from a transformation as well as a delivery standpoint. And that goes all the way up with what high level executives and the investment tier, portfolio tiers, and all the way down to the team level. Okay, cool. Thank you. So can we start out by just defining what these different tiers are and kind of how they tie into each other? Absolutely. So you'll find that many transformations, they begin, you know, as a grassroots way of beginning they start at the team level right and that's been going on for years now and as these <clears throat> these transformations they grow or folks with say an organization are getting some success at the team level they see an opportunity and that opportunity is how do we scale that from the team level and then go to the next level up which could be say a program level right and then they could get some some delivery strategies and they can do quite a bit of work into making sure that they have clarity in the backlog at those higher levels. They, they got everything and everyone they need and they're able to develop, you know, and execute or, or a working tested increment of software at higher levels. Right. So in typical formation at the very, very beginning level, you'll have a team level, You'll then have a program level in organizations that necessitate the need for it, meaning that um, they're, they're large enough, right? Or they begin to realize that they can get encapsulated around a value stream or a set of products or whatnot. But we'll totally talk about that a little bit later on. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so starting at the team level, then you start the team, you have a program layer on top of that. Um, on top of that, it's not unusual to have a portfolio, right? Which has several programs under that. And then on of that is um, there is an investment tier, and that is with a group of C-level, senior-level type individuals that facilitate that role of setting strategy. So the entire organization is, is uh, aligned around getting, say, something or a set of things done. Okay. So, and that's the top of the food chain, right? Yes, sir. So I want to just say this back to make sure that I'm sorted with it. Team levels delivery. When you talk about program that and portfolio, we're th I'm, I'm thinking of that in a very traditional PMI-centric kind of way of looking at it, where program would be um, a bunch of related projects and portfolio is all the different 
efforts going on under the organization. And then at what you're calling the investment level, that is where the company strategy is set by the C-level part of the organization. Okay. So, and that is the part where we're trying to make sure that we're tying things from the bottom level all the way back up. So we have strategic alignment from executive leadership on down to the guys, you know, doing the work in the trenches and they know how the work that they're doing ties back to company strategy. Exactly. So one of the questions that I, I challenge with often in, in, in my role here at Leading Agile or in previous roles um, as a delivery executive is how do you tie that investment strategy to execution, right? In especially in an Agile formation, how do you keep this thing going and ensure that the folks on top are completely aligned and they're doing everything that they can to give those delivery teams the greatest shot at, at producing, you know, um, value or, or creating value and delivering on time. <clears throat> okay. So before we talk about why it's so important to do it, why, why do people not do it? Like, how do, how do you end up in a situation where the head's disconnected from the body? Well, you know, I think there's a couple ways that you can look at that. You know, I started out, you know, I said that uh, many transformations begin at the team level. Okay. So an organization will catch wind of, okay, we can deliver in an agile way. Let's get folks what they need. Let's get some teams in place. Um, let's center around or swarm around a, a product or a set of products and, and you know, allow the teams to, to continue to work in an agile formation and deliver, right? And that's really, really cool. Um, what will happen is then you move up a line, right? And we talk about creating program teams, right, um, that, that are aligned to help set the direction and, and manage, essentially govern multiple you know, teams at the team level. And then it moves up through the portfolio where, you know, and in this case right here is when you start a team level, the higher you get, we do see that the portfolio groups, investment groups, the folks that are up on top, um, they're not necessarily working in an app formation, right? They're still aligned to old funding strategies. They're still aligned to project-based type thinking. Yeah. And they're not necessarily connected to how the delivery engine or the delivery factories that they've established are, are actually, you know, producing work, right. Or value. But can I ask a question about this before you go on? So mm-hmm. in what you just described, if we're starting out with transformation and I, I hadn't thought of this until I heard you say it, we're starting out with transformation at a team level. I was coming at this question from the pers- the, the idea that the, the C-level, the investment level, had basically just kind of disconnected itself from the rest of the organization. But if we're starting out with Agile at a team level, it's really the team that's disconnecting because they're coming up with a new way of working that is just at odds with, the, like you just said, with the way that the, the investment level's built to work. So it's like mm-hmm. the tail trying to wag back. the dog. Yeah, exactly. So imagine in a world if you were working on the team level and, you know, the, you know, a group of folks that come in and you invested in a transformation and you're taught how to deliver something in a different way. You're taught how to use different technical practices. You're taught how to work together. You're given maybe a new role or a new title. But at the end of the day, you, we, we encapsulated your world. So you have everything and everyone you need. You know, you have clarity in exactly what you're building. And you're able to produce this working tested increment of software or deliver value on a cadence, right? 
and you give those folks and you, you do a really great job. You're super about creating that environment or those clearing conditions for them. Right. Okay. And then all of a sudden as time goes by these teams, they then do expect to be fed that way. If that makes sense. Right. Yeah. That's the diet that they eat. That's the language that they speak. And the disconnect can start to happen is when the next, say, annual funding cycle starts to happen and the folks on top start talking about, oh, this is the strategy and we have, might have some pillars or themes or objectives and here's the new projects that come out and this is how we're going to fund these projects, right? So the disconnect starts to happen is that we have an agile delivery ecosystem, say, at the team level or the program level. However, our portfolio folks and our investment folks are still working in an, in an older you know, dare I say, antiquated way that's not yeah. necessarily aligned up to how their delivery teams are, are, you know, you taught them how to do this stuff, you gave them all the tools, and now they're disconnecting just yeah. in communication, right? So where does that, in terms of the base camp model, like where does that that disconnect become most obvious? And that's a really good question, and I think it can be agnostic to where the actual you know, when you look at it from our compass or you look at our base camp is that even at base camp one, if you're, if you're training and teaching delivery teams, how to work and consume work, deliver work in an agile formation, and you're not creating the clearing conditions at the highest level for them, eventually what'll happen is you, you may run into an impasse. So even at base camp one, rumblings that something may not be specifically right right so just recall at base camp one in our model it's all about becoming predictable right yeah we just want to you know call the ball is something that you'll hear you know be able to call the ball make the prediction do what you say you're going to do deliver what you say you're going to deliver and build that confidence with the entire organization you know to show them that yeah we're we're capable of doing that as you then progress in you know the the next stage is is to work say in smaller batches and when you start okay. working in smaller batches, you'll really start to see the cracks right there. That okay. you know, the investment group or the portfolio group on top may not be taking advantage of this delivery engine that we have. So that's, that is one scenario of, of when that can happen. You know, many transformations do start at the sale of the program or the team level, and you'll, you'll see that crack right there, right, with the investment okay. tier or the portfolio tier not necessarily aligned. Um, the other transformations are in any business right here is that uh, – I mean, you, you can see that from the onset, you know, rarely you know, do you, you had the opportunity to go in and say, well, we're going to do a whole entire organizational transformation. Um, just to, to emphasize here, Leading Agile does a really good job at taking off vertical slices within the organization and okay. encapsulating those areas. And then, you know, to do a little bit at a time so that transformation takes hold and that muscle memory is um, it's ingrained at all the, the levels that need to be involved. Okay. Um, I want to take a quick pause and check with you on two vocabulary things. Cause there's some leading agile words that you're using that I want to make sure folks understand. Um, mm-hmm. when you talk about encapsulation, what do you mean? Yeah, it's probably one of my favorite words, um, <laughs> that I've, I've put to my vocabulary a couple of years. And, and before I tell you what you mean, right. Um, I can tell you that um, in previous roles as a delivery executive, um, working in roles, if I were able to successfully encapsulate my environment as much as humanly possible, I believe I would have added years to my life. 
Okay. Wow. Um, and I mean that seriously, right? Because the worry becomes less, right? When you're less dependent on other people to get your own fun, the better the better things are for you, right? So that being said, encapsulation is just at the highest level. It's having everything and everyone you need to deliver value, right? Like stop, meaning that you got all the people you need, you have all the teams, you have the business people that are creating clarity in your backlog, exactly what you're building, right? You have all the tools and your technical environments that you need, okay, to deliver what you need to deliver. And you have the clearing and conditions in place to deliver value on a, on a, on a set cadence, okay? Um, might sound utopian, right? You know, many, especially large organizations, there are dependencies right there. But what we do best is one of the things I think we do best is we, we shine a light on that and we help eliminate those dependencies or that orchestration yeah. to get as encapsulated as possible. Right. Okay. So it's, it's, yeah, it's just making sure that we have a team or a group or whatever. They're fully stocked. They're ready. They can just go do stuff, do whatever they got to do. Exactly. Okay. You know, from like a little bit with a little technical here, if you're a developer and you develop some codes, like there's some really cool stuff here. You know, I, I, I worked, I work with my product developer. We created, you know, some working slides right here. We have prototypes or a UX framework right here. And we know that the customer wants a button to do, you know, a bunch of stuff, like go retrieve all the financial information for this customer and bring it back, deliver it back. That's a value, right? We can do a lot of coding. I mean, we can create, we can create the wireframes. We can create all the front end type code to, to make that work. But once we hit that button, going to be a call and it's an API or however you're, you're getting your stuff from front end to back end through systems. In many companies, those calls or those APIs are created by a different group, right? And, you know, that, and that could be a service-based group or it could be just a group of engineering that sits somewhere else. And when you have to wait for an API to go get something to come back and you're being pressed for a deadline because your business customer needs something done, you can clearly see the value in it. Yeah. You want to reduce that waiting. So as much as that you can bring in-house to the teams, you can centralize around that, or you can, at the end of the day, provide as minimal amount of orchestration as possible in that scenario, the better. It means your team okay. can move quickly. Right? So, yeah. all right, and I'm going to try to define orchestration, and then I'm going to ask you to define clearing conditions, and then we're going to go back to the interview. So orchestration is how we navigate and cope with dependencies across the organization to make sure that the components that are necessary are able to work together and deliver working tested software. Yeah. Okay. First try, I got that. That that was good? Yeah. Because I was just pulling that out of thin air. Okay, great. Now, yeah, <laughs> wanna, I'm going to leave that one then. What about clearing conditions? So when you talk about clearing conditions or clearing and conditions from a transformation or a delivery perspective, what we look um, for executives to do or leaders within an organization is to specifically, you know, concentrate on four things. And, and the first thing is we want them to do is to form complete cross-functional teams at all levels of the organization from delivery level to leadership, right? The second is to manage the flow of work balance the capacity against demand, and ensure teams have a well-groomed backlog at all times. The third is to hold teams, as well as the overall organization, accountable for producing a working tested increment 
um, of a product or software on a regular cadence. And then lastly, aggressively manage dependencies and helps your organization break those dependencies you know, over time. Because we know that dependencies um, always limit business agility, um, which leads basically into the orchestrational aspect of it. The more dependencies you have, the more you have to orchestrate, the more the cost of those compensating controls begin to add up and then limit your ability to be agile. Make sense? Yes, it does. Thank you very much for doing that. Um, hopefully, we'll little by little, podcast by podcast, we'll teach the rest of the world leading Agile speak. Um, okay, so I wanted to, to go back to our main topic. Um, can you kind of walk through what problem we're facing if we don't have that alignment from strategy down to execution, or sorry, from investment down to execution? Right. So you know, we can talk about the problem that, you know, that, that, we're having at this level. I mean, we see out there, and this isn't news to, to folks that are familiar that work at these layers or these areas, that there's long planning cycles, right? There's long-term delivery commitments, lots of upfront planning and, and rampant assumptions that take place at those levels, right? Okay. So what you'll see over here, and then as you progress into that, knowing that you have you know, your strategic formation, that, that it, it begins to become di difficult and, and, and it's, it's challenging to keep it right um, because you then start to have missed requirements and rework, right? You'll start to misunderstand and, and changing stakeholder, misunderstood, changing stakeholder requirements, um, misaligned product fits can happen, the strategy does not align to delivery, and you can start to underestimate, um, get an underestimation for your operations, right? So things start to get sideways real fast. What they think on top is going to happen isn't necessarily going to actually be able to get delivered or executed as you go through an organization and you start to hand this thing down, right? So, so can and, I, can I lastly, ask a question you, about this ahead. real quick? When I'm teaching sure. the classes, I talk about how vision is so critical because, one, we have to get all the stakeholders in alignment on it, and, two... I want to make sure that the people on the teams understand why they're building the thing that they're building. So they're not making just choices about things that seem cool, but aren't really fixing the problem we have. Um, you're talking about more than that though, right? I mean, it's that, that's a very, sounds to me like a very simplistic view when compared to what you're talking about. Well, that means wouldn't you owe it to the people that are actually delivering the work to at least understand those, those bare things. I mean, they should have an understanding of how this, how this meets a bottom line, right? So if I'm executing this and they look up, right, and it's like, what am I doing that actually ties to a strategy? I mean, that, that, that's the kind of, that's kind of a culture thing. But, you know, at the end of the day, if we, if we provide clarity in the backlog and we tell people, this is the vision, um, this is where you fit into the vision, this is what you're going to do to help, you know, meet a metric or a lever, right, to make something really cool happen, to get a return, um, then I think, that's, I think that's only fair to them. And some of the best delivery teams that I personally created in, in my time, um, we've been able to successfully do that. Folks clearly understood where they fit into the big picture and just how important every keystroke was. And if we encourage them to to seek that awareness, to, to expect that awareness, then we're creating better stewards for the organization as a whole. They're not just people punching code in the basement. They're people who are making sure that, like you said, every keystroke contributes to company strategy. Yeah, right. And so, I mean, some folks categorize this and say, hey, go challenge the status quo. But I think it's a little bit more than that. So it's funny. Do you ever notice that the best teams out there, and you take a 
Packers team, right? You know, why are they so good? It's because everybody understands what their job is yeah. and they get everyone else's job though too. So like, you know what my job is. I know what yours is. Um, I know when we run a play, this is where you're supposed to go. I know if the play breaks down, we've been together long enough that, you know, I know you're going to do one or another. Or we're going to discuss it before. Like, okay, well, if this doesn't work, then, you know, what do we do? Um, I think when you have that and you're able from all the way on top to instantiate that and set that up um, and give folks, you know, exactly what, where they fit into the big picture and what everyone else is supposed to be doing simultaneously, then there's, there's very little room for error at that point because folks are, they're aware. The bottom line is the folks on the, the folks that they, you know, we, we say this, that they're on the bottom, they're not on the bottom. They just happen to be, you know, a, a, a team placed on a, on a team, right. That's getting work fed to them um, from a workflow perspective, because it ends with them. They're the ones actually making right. this happen. But when they understand what their executives or what their investment and portfolio people are supposed to be doing, then that makes a world of difference. Don't you think? Yeah. And there's, and there's trust. You kind of create a space for trust and agency at the same time. It's like, we, we, we all have our part to play in making the show. We're all going to do the best that we can. We're all going to trust that we're going to do the best that we can and understand that it's about putting on the play. Yeah. So you, you look at this, you know, the execution problem there is there are long planning cycles, right? There's, there's missed requirements and rework. There, they can be a misaligned product fit over these long cycles. And it generally more often than not, it's going to result in poor performance, right? The teams are going to experience cost overruns. There's going to be, you know, workforce fatigue and morale issues, extremely long times, and ultimately delays in the value delivery. All right. So we, so if we have awareness of the fact that, that not having this limits our, our ability to be responsive in the marketplace and limits our ability to make sure that we are creating this stewardship up and down the, the organization. Um, how do we go about creating this if we're if we're lacking it? If we're lacking it, well, I think one other thing is it's, when you get in these situations is to take that moment, take that step back, Aaron, try to educate yourself, and then just come to the realization of why is this happening, right? So why is it so hard? Make sense? Okay. Like, why is it so hard to tie strategy to execution? We understand the problems, the long the lead times, product fit changing. Uh, cost overruns and things like that, you know, for folks that are actually delivering this work and they say, why why is this so hard guys? Um, You know, think about the things that the folks are, that that they're being challenged with at say portfolio investment tiers. And, you know, for example, is is they have some, um, they could have some environmental um, conditions and and, and environmental, say marketing and customer conditions. So like, for example, the pace of technology and communication means um, market shift faster than ever before, right? So these folks are, they're, they're being challenged at level, right? Okay, so we can't have these long leads. Technological advances and, and say, techno, technological, say, asset specificity, right? It's one way to categorize it. You know, people have their own devices. They, they call the shots on this. They're demanding something different. And long-term strategies in, in these cycles are just falling over. Right. So you have these environmental factors, right? Um, another thing is, is, you know, say customers at the, at, the, at the end all, they have way more choices and lower barriers to switch than ever before. Simple for them to switch, simple for them to leave you in the dust and go somewhere else where they think that it's going to be much better for them. So you're losing customers. When you lose customers, there's a revenue impact as well. And then lastly, it's 
strategy execution, solution design, and implementation issues, um, meaning that our system of delivery, you know, we want to optimize by productivity resulting in inability to effectively respond to change, right? So if your folks don't understand what the big picture is, they're not given, the, the, the conditions and clearing aren't in place, right, for them to respond to change, and we okay. don't have those feedback cycles in, that could explain why this gets so hard make sense it does but i have a question about it and and i'm not trying to i'm i'm, I'm worried i'm going to sound argumentative and, and i'm really just asking this question so i'm thinking about if i'm out in the field and i'm listening to what you're saying I'm thinking, that's awesome you know i really think this is true i got to make sure that my team members totally understand what's going on we have to make sure we have this alignment up and down but Right now, if I don't get this stuff shipped in the next two weeks, we're going to lose our space in the market or we're going to lose this other thing. So we're going to have to kick that one down the road a little bit and we just got to get stuff done. We don't have time to go make sure the teams understand why we just need them to march right now because we're in crisis. So I'm assuming you've got a response to that, but that's going to be the case for some companies, right? They want Agile, but they don't have time to learn how to become Agile. Well, right. I mean, we talked about fatigue, right? So workforce fatigue and morale issues become rampant and that categorizes into say poor performance. If you're constantly in a stress situation, right? Then, you know, one of the, what's that? I'm going to butcher this. It's, if, if everything's an emergency, then nothing is at all. Right? Or everything's urgent, if everything's a priority, there. nothing's a priority. Right. There you go. Perfect. That's, that's it. That's so, why I'm here. That's all the value <laughs> I have for today, folks. Thanks very much. <laughs> there you go. So, I mean, if you're fatiguing a team out like that, then shame on you, right? If the yeah. team, well, you know, if it's, then again, if the team is fatiguing themselves, I'll like them to step in and then help, you know, set their priorities. This is clarity of the backlog. It goes back to our three things clarity of the backlog, everything, everything you need, and producing a working test and increment of software on a regular cadence. Create those conditions, you know, necessary in order for the team to do that. So, you know, your long play here, here's the deal is looking from the bottom up is. Um, you know, the candid conversation could be had is, hey, investment portfolio team, your long planning cycles and long-term delivery commitments aren't working, right? Because I'm still getting stressed out. I'm st everything is still a prioritization. So how is that possible? And then how do we break, you know, how do we work together to break it from all the way down? How do we get a better strategy and then tie that into execution? I think that the way you just said is a really important point then, and you kind of, went around the edges of the thing that I was thinking, you know, you said we've got the three things. Um, we know that fatiguing the team is bad. We know that fatiguing the organization is bad. And I think people would agree that that's bad, but I don't think that everybody's ready to change their behavior yet. And I think that's one of the things about the model that is sort of self-selecting. Like you have to be willing to go through some changes if you want to get the desired results and just for the people that just want the agile without changing, that's not going to work. Exactly. So if you were to create the scenario where your investment teams and your portfolio teams um, were effective sensing, predicting and creating changes in market conditions, right? They're addressing that. They realize that this is the new we're living in. We're going to have to make these changes. So we, we've got to be able to do this, Right. And then you could rapidly, say, identify those solutions, you know, to the problems or those opportunities that your customers um, were interested in from buying for you, right? Right. Start to hand that down into the system, right? Your system of delivery. And with that system delivery, 
um, we're able to validate assumptions, rapidly create learnings, and effectively respond to changing market and customer conditions, you know, within some constraints, right? So that encapsulation is now starting to take hold right there. So, you know, that's that's this kind of what if world. So if you're effective at, you know, sensing, predicting, you could rapidly identify solutions, and you have a delivery system that's encapsulated to yeah. validate those assumptions, create those learnings, and kick that stuff out the door quickly. That would be a great world to live in, right? Okay. But, but there's work, work that needs to happen right there. You know, your investment tier, your portfolio tiers have to become aligned in order to make that happen, right? Okay. Um, and, that, and that is something that is, I mean, our folks specifically focus on is trying to make sure we have that alignment. I just wanted to see if you want to comment on that because you've worked at other organizations doing this kind of stuff. And I'm wondering what your take is on how this is different from the way you've done it other places. Oh, so how, it, how it's and what's different, I think it's being very intentional and in ensuring that you're aligning your organization around you. And that's from the investment tier all the way down to the team level, right? That you're able then to continuously measure and manage your assumptions and explicitly manage the flow of decisions. And this is why it's critical for folks on the investment tier or at the investment tier level and portfolio tier, these higher levels is to straddle strategy and execution. And what I mean that is, is we're looking for clear objective ownership of someone to keep, you know, one foot in, in, in on each side, right? You want someone okay. that is, that's tying that strategy to execution. And we can kind of, we can talk about what that really looks like if you, if you're, if you're ready to go there next. Yes, I'm ready. Let's go. All right, super cool. So, <laughs> right. So the align, align the organization with value. One of the ways that um, that we want to do is, is clearly is you want to make sure that you have your strategy, your strategies that it's able to um, adapt to to market conditions, right? So you're you're establishing a strategy that's that's not pushing too far in terms of long term delivery equipment, but it's it's right size for your organization and your market, right? And, you know, we have a great reference architecture in determining where you're at in the marketplace, right? You're in an emerging market. Maybe you're in a converging market. Um, it just depends on where you're at, right? But okay. the bottom line is sound strategy, right? Um, with that strategy is um, the next thing that we would want to look at is, is creating clear objectives that support that strategy, right? Within those clear objectives, we want to have driving key results. Right. So these key results are going to make that happen, that drive a specific strategy. Can but you give an example of this? Exactly. Yeah, I can. Okay. So, you know, you could have a strategy out there that, um, you know, you could have a financial strategy. Okay. Meaning that, you know, you are, you are, are looking for a North American surge of, of um you know so um eight percent new market new market north american strategy right okay for example on a product we're doing we're going to implement um a, a something of value to a group of folks uh, that's targeted in north america right okay all right so you want you want to push your new cool stuff into north america or you know in the united states whatever i'm just using it so that's cool that's a strategy we need to turn these customers on in this market to this yeah. right underneath that you're going to say okay here's our objectives to turn on these customers in North America, right? You might say that what the first objective for right here is that we've got to go after maybe a specific set of, of people. We're going to target objective number one is we're going to target, you know, you know, 
huge metropolitan areas, right? Sure. Or maybe your objective is, is you know, we're going to have something that we're going to start a little bit smaller. But let's just go. We're going to go with large objective, right? We're going to hit major. We're going to hit L.A., Atlanta, Chicago, Dallas, right? Sure. Those types of areas first. We're targeting this. This is our objective. And within here is we want we want 15% market share within 18 months, right? Okay. That is an objective. Okay. Sorry. So strategy in North America turn these people on. The objective is to target major Mets and within a, a 12 to 18 month time, we got key results that say we got to get a 12 to or a 15% market share. Okay. Right. All right. So that's really cool. And I'm going to say, all right, Dave, you're on this team. You are that objective owner. You own that objective. I need you to go out there and work with the portfolios in our organization. And I need you to find opportunities that's going to help support those key results that make that objective happen as aligned to that strategy. Sounds easy, right? Like, Well, um, not really. I'm going to have to go find projects to tie into that, that are going to support this then, right? Okay. Well, we could call them that or we could call them opportunities just at that level. Right. Okay. And you just say, okay, we believe we have these opportunities and you're going to go reach down. And this is the cool part about this. When you, when you, this is the time, right? This is this person, this objective owner gets to work in and say, maybe there's portfolio A, portfolio B, or however many different portfolios you have. But the idea is that you, know, you get to reach out to portfolio owners or that team and say, look, guys, I'm soliciting opportunities, ideas to help make this objective happen. Right. I, ideas. Maybe marketing has some ideas that can come from various different levels, angles, whatnot. Right. But at the end of the day is that you're sharing this knowledge, right? Everyone is involved at this point. So sometimes beautiful ideas come from the people who actually have their hands on the keyboard, product owners that are in there and it all feeds up. So it's we not just, so it's not just me coming on. This would be like me saying, okay, in the, in the film studio, we've got these 16 movie projects going on. We're looking for an opportunity for product placement that will increase Coca-Cola sales by 15%. Where are all the places in these movies we could put a Coke can? There you go. And then I let the director say, well, the- this scene in the Michael Bay movie, we can have the transformer hold up a Coke can. There you go. Right. And you got to make that happen, right? So this is an opportunity and you're going to go and vet those opportunities out, right? And say, you know what, what's the impact, right? Okay. How complex is it to do that opportunity and, 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 you know, complexity around the impact, right? And how ease, what's the ease of it? Or how do we prioritize this idea? Is it costly, right? What's the risk that's, that's associated with it? So, you know, and I just threw, you know, a, a bunch of terminology out there is, is, and in, in line where before I move on to that, other people, can we do it, right? I mean, these are things that you want the objective owner to be driving in that conversation. And do we have the supply mix? Do we have the demand modeling? Are we encapsulated in a world right here to, to pull something like this off? Or, or is this something that we say we're going to do and just, just get bogged down three months into this thing? And because we're so orchestrated, we're so heavily orchestrated and we're so dependent that we, we can't move Right, which is an even better reason to have an objective owner in that delivery factory or in that portfolio because they can see the problem. Right, they're not encapsulated. We need to go set this. We need a need a little bit of money for improvement. Right, and they're seeing it firsthand. That's that's one huge advantage of having this. So can but, I? You I've, know, at this, yeah. I have a couple of questions. I'm stuck on right now. Um, mm-hmm. Objective owner is a new role, right? 
I mean, from a traditional sure, so, waterfall approach, this is all oh, yeah. that did the yeah, way. I, okay. I would say for the most part, yes, it would be. Okay. So this is where I'm, this is where I'm tripping over myself and it's my waterfall brain, but I'm, I'm sure that other people listening to this will be tripping as well. Um, I've got this opportunity or objective owner, sorry. And they're looking for opportunities. You were very specific about saying opportunities as opposed to what I was saying, which is projects, which I think is very important because this is work that's being solicited or this is an objective owner saying, here's what I need. What do you got? As opposed to do this project. So this is kind of pulling from the teams or pulling from the people that are, that are putting together product owners, whoever that are in charge of these different products we're creating, they're now having to come up with ideas to feed back upstream. These are ways exactly. we might be able to get to where you want to go. So it's, it's adding yeah. a little Give bit to their plate, but it is one of the places I was going to go later on in the interview was how does this tie back upstairs? You know, we, I can see why we want to make sure teams understand strategy, but why does it feed back up? Why, why does the stakeholders at the top of the food chain want to know what's going on with the teams? Or fair enough, right? And then you just I'm going to tie that thing off. Is, is those feedback loops are just as equally important as the people actually doing the work, right? Okay. And you have two okay. different, you know, feedback loops right there. Yeah. So why why is it important for uh, an, it's an objective owner at the investment level to to have at least one foot portfolio? Is that what you're asking? Well, I was I was just commenting on the fact originally that it is a different approach. I mean, it's something that 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 facility may not exist in organizations that are moving down this path and it's a role or right. a, an approach to create where a product owner might not be expecting for somebody upstairs to be like, Hey, you know, you got any ideas about how I can solve this, uh, this thing I got to fix here. Cause they got exactly. their own problems. So I believe that doing, right. So the reason for that is it's by doing so it provides for full transparency and how well the product or service is either being developed or performing. Right. And this gives the investor, both group at the investment or portfolio level, that critical information that's necessary in, in, to, uh, in order to properly drive the business, right? So if, if, like, create, if you create an objective, you have key results, you start to line out opportunities, when you're vetting those opportunities out that you're not as orchestrated or you're not as encapsulated as you are or you need to be to make those, to achieve those key results, Right. Okay. Then you have a problem. You need to be in there. So uh, let me make it real here is it is like we have our strategy. We know our objective. We got a key results right there. And you're coming to me and saying that, you know what, if we, if we create something that say lifts that Coke can everywhere else, like on all of our mass media, right. At those inner, inner, at at those prime opportunities. Right. And I'm going to say, man, we can do that. And you're like, Oh, super cool. But it's going to take us say, you can't do it in three months. It's probably going to take a heck of a lot longer. Yeah. You're going to want to know why. Well, why? Well, it's because we don't own the environment. We have to go ask other people to do things. We're not aligned. We're not encapsulated, you know, and then it's just really why, what can I, what can I do to encapsulate your environment to where this is no longer a problem? Right. And that's a real conversation you're going to have. This is what we want to do. This is how fast we want to go. This is what it's going to give us. And okay. it's a great opportunity. So when you're an objective owner and you're part of the investment team and you see that that area is not as encapsulated as it could be, right? Or you see that the work is transparent or you have an understanding that this group 
is taxed by doing more stuff besides, say, capital work. They have a serious workload. They do a lot of break-fix type things. Yeah. You have a clear understanding of not just what the problem is, but now you have stake in the game. With awareness comes responsibility to act, and then you get to come up and say, boy, if this is the world we want to live in, we need to focus on these improvement opportunities as well. Okay. Yeah, so I, I want to ask a question. I'm kind of stuck on the the relationship between the objective owner and like a product owner in this in this context so an objective owner so this is someone i mean this is you know um principal an objective owner could be say a chief product owner or a senior product owner okay okay so the so person that's got to that's got to meet the okr yep there you go okay there are the third, so they're driving that, right? Yeah. And, so, you know, in, in, a, in an encapsulated world, that person is going to be lying to portfolios or delivery engines that they're primarily working for. One first thing you'll see at that level is that if you're an objective owner and you need to go meet this and you got to work across three or four different portfolios or delivery, you know, engines or yeah. factories, whatever you want to call them, to go get that done, that should be a really good initially, at least even at the opportunity level, right? Oh, wow, this comes really hard. You know, I mean, we're, we are not aligned for value. Yeah. We need to address that. And that's where Leading Agile comes in. We vet that stuff for, and we, we work out, right? We get you aligned for value. We want to get them aligned for value. And we yeah. want those people doing those types of things. But clearly, if you're out of alignment on top um, and you're disconnected right there, then not going to get any better for you. So the scary part is, is, is they can say, well, our teams in these factories are, they're agile. They're doing it. Look at my metrics. They're super yeah. great. Our velocity is awesome. You're, you, but maybe you're <laughs> not building the, the thing that the customer wants, or you're not, you're actually getting it done. You still have long commitment times, long, you know, delivery aspects, all those things that we talked about. The problem could still very well be there. So it, this is this holistic aspect of it. It's like, that's super great very intentional, your teams are there, your program level is there, your portfolio starts to get a little shaky, right? Yeah. And then the dependencies at the portfolio level are starting to add up. It's not as agile as you thought it was. Your investment okay. owners really aren't in the game as much as they should be. There's no clear objective. Don't really know what our key results are. So our opportunities become limited and we can miss the market based on that. Okay. Right? Yeah. So, yes. And the thing that I was going to, I'm kind of going in a slightly different direction. Just if you can comment on this really quick. Um, somebody at that product owner level, who I would say you're responsible for making sure that this product you create has the impact in the market that the business needs it to. When we have somebody in this, you know, like a objective owner or a chief product owner or whoever, they're now shouldering the responsibility of making sure that the thing, moves the needle enough to hit the key result and that frees up the product owner to focus on building the product yeah. as opposed to worrying about, I mean, not that they're not going to be thinking about meeting the key results, but it does place that on someone else's shoulders. Mm -hmm. Okay. Exactly. And then, and this, this ties the whole thing together. So when you, you have a clear strategy, you have objectives that are aligned to fulfilling that strategy, right? You have key results which drive that objective. You have ownership of those, of those objectives or those key results. And you're driving, you're, you're discovering opportunities, okay? 
that are going to help make that happen. Those opportunities, you know, you talked about, you know, I got to go find projects to do that. In an agile way, those opportunities, they they transform or they become uh, epics or sub-epics or, you okay. know, they're, they're featured, right? There could be a very, you know, amount of things, right, that they can become, right? Totally different subject for different time. But, yeah. you know, the point here is that that's, this is how we're tying strategy to execution. There's some accountability there. We have, we have a clear strategy. We have even crystal more, even more clear objectives. We have defining key results, right, that are market-based. Right. We understand fully what our risk is. We have ownership that's tying this together. And we are now driving encapsulation all the way from the investment tier down to the person with their hands on the keyboard. That's a okay. beautiful world, right? Yeah. That's what we want to be. So when we started not everyone, out... Not everyone's oh, there though, right? That's not no, and that's good because we need jobs. Um, <laughs> when we started out, we were talking about how um, you, know, you were kind of really aiming this at senior leadership. If, if you were able to just kind of snap your fingers and have every C-level person that we were ever going to work with for the next 18 months automatically understand one thing about this, when you walked in the door, what would it be? Well, I would ask a series of questions. And from my perspective, I would, I would want to focus, are you agile on top? Are your investment and portfolio tiers really agile? You know, are those okay. groups fully committed to time to execution? Do you have clear objectives and supporting key results? Do your initiatives inspire value creation? Are your delivery organizations encapsulized for optimum performance and return? Do you fully understand, you know, your supply and demand mix? Um, do you actually have the appropriate and necessary capacity to support that demand? Um, is the appropriate governance, modeling, metrics, and fast feedback systems in place for better decision-making? Do you fully have empowered objective owners that are capable of driving the business and continuously improving, right? Those are the things I would focus in on. All right, cool. Well, if people, if there's people listening that want to reach out to you to maybe answer some of those questions or have you come in and talk to them, um, what's the best way for them to follow up with you? I, you know, the best way you can contact me directly, I'm at matt.smith at leadingagile.com. But more than anything, go find us at leadingagile.com. You can see how to contact us there. You can follow us so it's on, on Facebook and Twitter and, and all, the, all the other wonderful social platforms. So, um, <laughs> Pinterest. Hopefully you're, you're subscribed to, uh, to, to this channel right here. And Dave, you do such a great job at extracting information out of us. And, um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> There's no, there's no shortage of way I believe that you can find us and we're out there. You can find us on LinkedIn for goodness sakes, but yeah. we are out there and, and we're happy to help. And I, I believe that this is uh, it, it's, it's one of the next logical steps with, with from a transformation or an agile perspective is let's start having these conversations that are addressing this, this extremely important issue. Um, yeah. Don't be like other organizations that have gotten, you know, agile running and they got it at the team and, say maybe program levels and and it hits the wall because of this yeah and it rolls back here i say oh my gosh i don't want to roll back and now back to where you were before and um and there we we, i think many people know what those issues are cool well this was great man thank you very much for taking time out for this Uh, i'm super happy to talk it's always fun cool thanks man appreciate it awesome